Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Uh, it was a Saturday night. Barbecue was lit. Rival game was on the TV, big screen. Game was underway. Uh, if you know anything about rival games here in Lubbock, the only one that really matters, matters is Tech and the Longhorns. On a real quick note before I get deep into the word, Tech pulled out the W that night, just going to say. Um, <laughs> um, uh, back to the story. People started, you know, during the game, people get excited. Emotions start flying. They get into it and they get a little rowdy at times. You know, just like it happens during the football season. Some people during these times, these celebrations, these tailgatings, they like to sip on that potion known as beer. Uh, some people don't. Some people do. In this story, we had a couple of people that were. Um, but again, you know, just enjoying the time, watching the game, getting ready. Uh, halftime has already passed. We're closing in on, on the game. Time crunch is, is getting deeper and deeper, and, and motions are flying even higher and higher. You know, just trying to enjoy the game. Waiting on that barbecue, too, that you can only find here in Texas. <laughs> that smoked barbecue. Um, during this time, a couple of people came uh, to the gathering, to the get-together that was at another tailgate party where they had been enjoying their time as well, where they were, you know, just indulging in some of the worldly things. One of them, unfortunately, started acting out of, out of place, wrong, you know, being disrespectful, being hurtful, being, um, you know, just cursing. Uh, cursing at the people he was with, cursing at some of the women that were on the other side. And he was just being loud, obnoxious, just just wrong. You know, I, I, to be frank, like he had no home training. You know, like he ain't never got a spanking when he was little. He didn't get no get right. Well, unfortunately for him, he continued this, this, this acting out, this obnoxiousness, this rudeness, this disrespectfulness. But he did it amongst where all the fellows were outside. Again, he started being loud and disrespectful. Well, one of the guys that were there felt like he was disrespected. And so he decided to take matters in his own hand and try to put it into what was causing an issue there at the, at the tailgate. Well, a threat was made. Then all of a sudden there was commotion and abruptly ended. <laughs> you know, some of the people were like, Did what, just, you know, what just happened? Well, unfortunately for that guy, it was just that quick. A threat was made, a blow was given, and one, two, three, it was done. Um, the problem had been so-called taken care of. Well, the guy that actually decided to be aggressive, to take matters into his own hands, that was acting also like a heathen, acting foolish, acting irresponsible, acting disrespectful, acting the same way as the guy that was being the aggressor was, he had no clue of what he actually did. I mean, this guy was holding a football. He spikes it. He starts walking around celebrating like he just won the game that was on TV, just like a fool, heathen, not knowing any better. You know, I, when things like that happen, when, when the world decides, when the world looks at things like that, they, they look at it and they say, well, there's got to be a justification somewhere. Where are they being justified at? 
Well, that night, you know, the aggressor was told a couple of times, well, that's what he gets. That's what he gets for acting that way. He shouldn't have acted that way. So the aggressor felt justified in what he was doing, which I tell you now was wrong on both parts. Well, time passed. These two guys saw each other every now and then, but you could feel the tension. You could see that it was uncomfortable. They couldn't get along. They couldn't speak. They wouldn't look at each other. They would avoid each other at every time. At every opportunity they had, they would split ways and avoid each other. Well, time passed. And by the graces of God, the aggressor, he has had an encounter with Christ. He's had a heartfelt, changed encounter with the Lord that now with all his being, with all his heart and with all his soul, he loves God and serves the Lord. These two guys saw each other again. My man that had an encounter with the Lord, he called him and told him if he could follow him outside of the place that they were at. And the other one just went. Didn't, didn't hesitate, didn't refuse it. He went, he followed. The guy that had the, the encounter with the Lord, he puts his hand on the, on the guy's shoulder and tells him, with all the love that my heart is filled with, that Christ has given me, I sincerely apologize for what I've done to you. I'm asking for you to forgive me. And the other man said, I understand the feeling too. I too serve the Lord now. And I forgive you, brother. Now when these two guys see each other, they, they, they greet another with a handshake. They embrace each other like brothers. Thanks to the Son of, Son of God, Jesus Christ, that can only allow things like this to happen. Stories like this that you hear of a hearted change, a wholehearted change, that one can accept another and forgive another and receive forgiveness and give forgiveness only comes by the graces of God. How does this apply to the book of Philemon that we're going to be in? Well, this is how. We have a believer, a sinner, and a brother in a letter that's written from Paul the Apostle to Philemon. Three roles played by three different people. In the illustration of the story, we're going to illustrate it with the two people and in, the, in the gospel and how the gospel transforms relationships. This morning, we'll break it down into three parts. The first part will be the believer's known love and faith. That's going to be in verses 1 through 7. And part 2 will be the plea for or from the converted sinner, verses 8 through 16. And part three would be the righteous justification and obedience of a believer and the converted sinner. Just to give you a quick background, this again, it's a letter from Paul the Apostle to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave that belonged to Philemon that committed a crime that wrong, uh, probably stole from Philemon and left. Well, why he left is when he had the encounter where he met Paul the Apostle and had an encounter with the Lord that repented and had a new life. He was changed now. His heart was different. His life, his outlook, these things were different now. In the scripture, in verse 18, it says, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Again, this is from Paul asking, writing to Philemon. The word wrong translated from the Greek translation is to be a criminal or to have violated the laws. And the word owes from the Greek translation means to owe money or to be in debt. So from this, we can gather that Onesimus probably stole something from Philemon, the thieving heathen. 
But it is clear that one person wronged another or sinned against another. And Paul's writing on behalf of the, the converted sinner Onesimus. Again, part one is the believer's known love and faith. So with that, we're going to pick it up in verse one, chapter one. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Alphia or Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention to you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And the sharing of your faith, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Just to give you a little bit of understanding, verse 2, uh, the mentioned people is going to be the wife and the son of Philemon. And verse 5 that says, that says, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints here, Paul is already dressing the fruitful life of a, new, of a, of a believer, of a bondservant of Christ. The, the true heart of a bondservant of Christ, which, which is, to clarify, to give understanding, what bondservant is, is a bondservant is a wholehearted, willing, slave or servant of Jesus Christ. And verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. A bondservant of Christ, Christ now dwells in the bondservant of Christ. Christ now dwells in a brother or a sister that is in Christ. With Christ being and living inside the temple that the Lord has given you, this is where every good thing that we have in our heart, in our mind, every good thing that we show to everybody that we encounter, every good thing that we try to offer or every, every bit of ounce that we give to a believer or to a non-believer, when we give the gospel, this is where it stems from. It stems from being filled with Christ and the Holy Spirit. How do we receive Christ? How do we have Christ in us? Was by faith. Paul also wrote to the Romans in 3.22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, no difference between Greek and Jew. The difference between being Greek and Jew is you no longer have to be the saved people. You no longer have to be um, the chosen people. Jesus Christ came and died and died for all, all who sinned, all of us. There's no difference between one or the other. There's no difference between rich or poor. There's no difference from um, black, white, Asian, gray, green, purple. There's no difference. If your heart is filled and your heart is repentance and you give it to the Lord, you too will be washed. You too will be changed. You too will now come in the willing, wholeheartedly wanting to be a bondservant for Christ Almighty. As Paul and Philemon are now. Well, let's get some understanding to observe the heart of a believer. We need to allow the work of Christ in our heart and in our spirit. And that work is the work of love that we show not only to fellow believers, but to the lost as well, if not more to the lost. 
As we see lost people, as we have the feeling of Christ and the love and the joy that he gives us, when we look at the lost, we should see, our hearts should go out. We should look at him and say, you too can have Christ that lives in you. You too can have the same encouragement that I have. You too can have the same guaranteed eternity that I have. When I, sto- when I weather a storm, that my, my foundation is not in me or what I find. My understanding doesn't come from me. My understanding comes from the Almighty. It gives a peace and a joy and a satisfaction that you don't have to struggle. You don't have to worry. You don't have to struggle. You don't have the, to worry about these fleshly, worldly things. Because your trust is in Christ. Christ Almighty. That lives in you. As Paul As Paul wrote to us, well, to the church of Romans, but also applies to us here, us, the church, the true followers of Christ, we come to be equipped. We come to hear the word of God and be equipped by it, not by man, not by the building, but by the word of God. The work for one another, the work of love for one another in a world that has a kill or be killed mentality. In a world that would rather inflict pain and suffering before anybody here would give up an ounce of discomfort. They would rather make sure that they go for self than to worry or go for someone else. Without the greatest commandments given to us, we, can't, we wouldn't be able to hold to these things of love and grace and forgiveness. We can't, we can't accomplish them. Again, without love, we may be able to preach or evangelize, but with no fruit. We may be able to act like a believer, but with no fruit. Without love, we cannot ask for forgiveness. Without love, we can't properly encourage. Without love, we can't do as Christ has instructed us. It is vital that we have the love of Christ and we allow it to penetrate our hearts, as Philemon has allowed the penetration of his heart by the love of Christ. The two guys in the story didn't know of love or forgiveness until their their heart was open and they allowed the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ in them. I can give you the truth that once you feel forgiveness and you forgive for, and you feel the love of the Almighty, it just outpours to the people that you see, to the people that you know. Willingly, unforceably, it's, it's not force. It's just a willing thing that happens because of the grace of God. But let me give you some gospel truth about forgiveness. In the book of Matthew 6.15, it says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. That chapter is about living a hypocritical life or hypocritically praying. You need to pray with all your heart is the instruction that we're given. Also realizing that that truth that comes from the gospel is for the believer, the person that has already surrendered their life, the person that is already following Christ, the person that already has had that encounter, that the Lord holds you hold you to that. If you that represents me or you that loves me or you that shines the light for me, that represents me in this world that is lost, How can you seek my forgiveness if you don't give forgiveness to the people that you encounter or to the people that hurt you and offend you? Also realizing, again, that the truth is for the believer, for you, for me, even for the ones that that are not saved, that haven't repented, this will be their, their instruction. 
And let me let me say that if anyone here that hasn't, it's it's just one decision away. It's just a decision. You can have the peace, encouragement, love, forgiveness that we all share in the body, in this body. As believers, I give I often ask my as a believer, I often ask myself two questions. How have I been a loving, encouraging, and forgiving brother or sister? Or how can I become a loving, encouraging, and forgiving brother and sister? Depending on the circumstance. I encourage you to ask these questions on your daily walk. I encourage you to ask these two questions to yourself. How have you, a represent, uh, an ambassador of Christ, been loving, encouraging, and forgiving? How have you, as an ambassador of Christ, shined the light for the Almighty that represents what you actually say to someone else or how you approach someone else or when you feel that someone's down and you offer prayer. It's great that we pray, but we also have to look at to see, you know, the fruits of our lives by, by what we do. So I encourage you to ask these questions when, when you feel conviction by the Spirit. To simplify it in, script, in Scripture, how can you be in a loving, encouraging, and forgiving brother and sister? This is how. By the greatest commandment that was given to us by Christ Almighty, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. I'm sorry, with all your soul and with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest thing that we have is love. The greatest thing that Christ gave us is love. That led to the, to the crucifying, that led to the sacrifice. That led to the changing of life. That leads to the building and, and, the, and the changing and the equipping that we all get when we come and, and become a part of the body of Christ is love. In part two, the second, the second part will be a plea for or from the converted sinner. It will be in verses 8 through 16. Picking it up in verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ. To command you what is fitting. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you. Being such one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart whom I wish to keep with me, that on, your behalf may, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my change for the gospel. For without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Therefore, because Paul knows the fruitful, loving heart that is in Philemon, he appeals to him. Paul will not command what is rightful. The rightful reaction of a brother who had been wronged by a non-believer. Because Philemon was the believer, Onesimus, I mean, Paul the apostle didn't reach out to Philemon and say, this is deserving what you're supposed to do. You were commanded that you're supposed to give and forgive Onesimus for the mistake that he made. He didn't do that. Instead, he came wholeheartedly and appealed to Philemon. 
with love and asking in faith on behalf of Onesimus. And Paul could have been justified to command the action from Philemon. But again, instead, he appealed with love and he appealed with grace and he appealed to, to his brother in Christ. And verse 9, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Again, because Christ who dwells in us, Paul is appealing to Philemon on love's sake, not commanding. Lovingly, Paul will make his request to the fellow brother. In verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Begotten is a big word. Let me step back and say begotten. Paul is saying I have raised Onesimus like my own son in the ways of the Lord. And isn't that what Jesus Christ has done for us and is doing for us and can do for us? This is exactly what Jesus does. He raises us up by loving us, building us, and testing us, all to prepare us for his service, to prepare us for the call he has put in our hearts. From the simplest, thing, from the simplest of things to the toughest of things, preparing us to show love and forgiveness. And preparing us to show our reason for hope during the storms that this temporary place also likes to throw at us. We have our strength, and our strength is in Christ. To be gotten means, translated means, to be in a relationship of a parent to a child. That Paul the Apostle that has given the gospel to Onesimus and is raising him up in the ministry and raising him up in the word of God, he now is considering him as, as, as a child. He looks at him as a child. As we, when we first come to the Lord and we first give our life, we start to grow, but we, get to, we, we start from the smallest things before we get of age or before we can be aged. We have to start. In verse 11, picking it up in verse 11, that says, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. This once thieving heathen that sinned against Philemon, this man who did not live up to his name. That sounds a little harsh, right? Onesimus. You know what Onesimus translates to? Onesimus translates to, to being useful or beneficial. That's what the name Onesimus means. And his old life and his worldly life he didn't live up to that name. This too also played a factor in my heart as I did this study. As you know, my name is Santos. Translated in English is saints, multiple saints, not just one, but many. And the life that I chose of my own doing, by my own doing, the way that I lived before, there was no way that I would ever be able to be called a saint, ever. For the things that I've done, for the things that I've seen, the things that I took part in, for the mentality that I had, for the heart that I had, for the things that I refused to believe when I knew that they were right. I chose to do different. I chose to live a life that, that I thought was going to be profitable to me. I chose to live a life that was hard, stressful, meaningless. I could not hug a person. I could not love a person. I could not tell you that I am praying for you. I couldn't tell you that I'm here to come and help you. It had to benefit me for me to help you. In my past life, it was hard. And now I tell you that I love my neighbor. And now I tell you that Christ, and because of the forgiveness he has given me, 
Not yet completely. And it wouldn't be complete until we graduate, until we meet heaven. But it is a progressive sanctification that I am starting to live up to my name of saint. Because we're not perfect. And we're not expected to be perfect. But now, as a repentant sinner, Onesimus, a believer now, Onesimus is profitable now to the point of being able to help serve in the ministry and the ministry that Paul, that the Almighty has put into Paul's heart to help show the light of Jesus, to help Paul do whatever it is that, that he has to do. But right now that he's in jail, he's just there as an encouraging, encouraging him and supporting him and loving him and coming alongside his brother, his brother in Christ. Onesimus is now profitable. People say, what makes a man profitable? Is it all the stock he owns? Is it all the cars he has? Is it the, all the real estate that he owns? What is it that makes a man profitable? And how can we become profitable? How can the lost become profitable? It's easy. It's plain doctrine. 2 Corinthians tells us how. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Our old sinning, non-profitable, worldly self is no more when you come and you give your life to Christ. When you come and have that encounter that the Almighty has waiting for you. Oh, we are new and we're justified. We're justified by the blood. We're justified by the crucifying of our Savior and are called according to His will. When we come, when we get in the part that we understand and accept the part of being called into the will of the Lord, we too, as Paul is helping Philemon and supporting Philemon, and now Onesimus, who was a repentant sinner and now has a new life, we can come and help, encourage, and, and support, and, 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 and love on our fellow brothers and sisters that are in the body of Christ. In verse 14, it reads, But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your, good, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. That your good deed be voluntary. Paul is wanting Onesimus to stay and to help support him in, 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 in his chains. But Paul holding to what is right and sending Onesimus back. Paul, by faith, believed that Philemon would voluntarily send back Onesimus. We don't get that part in the story. We don't know if he returns. But because Paul is already knows the fruitful life of a person that lives in Christ, a person that's hardly surrendered to the Almighty, the fruits of that show that there will be forgiveness, that there will be a justified action, that you will know what is rightfully done. What is this for the two in the story? That the forgiveness given by one was voluntary. Just as Paul did what was right. The man that granted forgiveness did what was right. The man in the story that also did the wrong, which in this case both were actually wrong. But the one that went to the other and asked him, forgive me for what I've done to you. He too did what was right. He too did what was fitting for the Christian. He too did what, what he was supposed to do. 
with the spirit filled and the love that's in his heart, he too went to this fellow, not even knowing that he was a brother in Christ, and asked him to forgive him for what he has done. He could have been justified and said, ah, you know, that guy's got to forgive me. That dude believes in God, so I'm cool. I'm good. I don't have to ask him. I don't have to address it. But that's not what he did. Again, but with instead, but instead, with all the love put in his heart, he appealed for forgiveness. He could have demanded it, demanding what is fitting of a fellow Christian or fellow bond servant of God. But instead, he appealed for it and he asked wholehearted and humble for forgiveness. Christians, us, we are always being looked at by non-believers. How do we forgive or how do we show Christ that lives in us? And you know what? Sometimes worse, we're looked at other Christians as well. Or we're looked at by other Christians. This guy is not acting Christian-like. Yet one is passing their, their judgment, if you will, on another Christian. Or if a Christian accidentally offends another Christian, what is the, the response that comes from that? Is it a wholehearted repentance? Is it a wholehearted, humble uh, conversation to trying to be, to see what the issue is, the addressing of the issue? Do they do it wholeheartedly? Do they do it humble? Do they do it with love? Do they do it wanting to give forgiveness? Or do they do it rightfully thinking, I deserve for this, especially since he's a brother, he shouldn't be doing this. Or because she's a sister, she shouldn't be acting this way. We shouldn't have to see these things. This is not right. I'm going to go tell them this is what you shouldn't be doing instead of approaching them and, 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 and talking to them with love and meekness and all the fruits of the Spirit. Christians that have walked with the Lord longer than others, at times they have a tendency to forget about all the grace that they've been given from the Almighty. They forget about all the grace that they've received and forget to apply it to the baby, the baby Christians, the new Christians. They forget to show grace to the less experienced. Our young people, our youth, this plays the same thing for you. When you that serves God, that has had an encounter with the Almighty, you have a, you have a, a strength. You have a, uh, a better way out. You have a better way to deal with things if you don't realize. How often do the young people or how often do your peers say mean things to you? You know, act in a way towards you that is rude or wrong. Or make you feel like you're lower than they are. Or even make you feel unaccepted by them. Because of what you don't do or what you don't say or how you don't act. Because you don't get along with the majority. You're that radical young person that has a heart and a Christ for life. Let me encourage you. As Paul has begotten Onesimus. And again, the definition, the translation of begotten is to bring forth, beget, denotes the physical relation of a parent to a child. This is Paul, what he's doing for Onesimus. Let me encourage you and tell you that just as Paul has begotten Onesimus, Jesus Christ has begotten you. 
has begotten me. Just as Paul is fighting on behalf of Onesimus, Jesus Christ is fighting on behalf of you. Experienced and non-experienced alike, we have one thing in common. We have the truth that God fights for all of us, for us. And we should help fight for one another. As Paul is doing for his brother Onesimus. When we all receive and understand the two pillars of the gospel, things change. When we take these two pillars and we understand them and we accept them, things change. What are the two pillars? One is that we are all sinners. We're sinners. But two is that we are also accepted. We're accepted by the blood of Jesus Christ. When we can, when we can look at another person and realize he's a sinner, but he's accepted. As I was, am a sinner, but I am also accepted. Then we can give what has been freely given to us, to our brothers, to our sisters. We can give love and forgiveness. This and those actions and those things that we take daily to the believer and to the non-believer. This is the unarguable, undebatable, true power and the witness of Christ and the, the existence of Christ in this lost, lost world. Our, our pastor, his wife, she, we know that she got, she got sick. She was diagnosed with cancer. And today, I tell you that her last scan was completely cleared by the grace of God, by the power of the Almighty. She has a doctor that doesn't believe that does not believe. She says, I'm already, she told me the last time that I spoke to her, she said, I've already tried and I don't do it anymore. I can't do it. To tell them, you know, to keep telling them. And I turned and I told her, man, you know, God is good because through the healing that you received, through the healing and the blessing that the Almighty has given you, Nathalie, that doctor can no longer Say, I don't believe her. What is the reason for your healing? How is it that this came to pass? Because in turn, Nathalie has already laid down the foundation. She has already told him about Christ. And so when that happened, the doctor knew that she's going to respond with by saying, Christ Almighty has healed me. That is an unarguable, undebatable existence of Christ and God the Father in our lives and in this world. We are ambassadors of Christ. Questions that I ask myself. You know, I encourage you to ask yourselves as well. How have I sinned against my brother or sister? Or how have I sinned against a non-believer? And how can I mend the wrong or the sin that I've committed? Scripturally, it's plain. In James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you know that, do you realize that when you have an encounter with someone and you've wronged them or they've wronged you, when you give grace and when you give forgiveness and when you give love, that you are glorifying God for the people that know you and they see you, they realize how is he forgiving him because of the blood that was, that was shed for him and because of the change that he has had in his life, because of the love that now dwells inside his heart. This is how these things happen. We glorify the Father in all that we do. 
when we do it wholeheartedly as bondservants of Christ. We need to be able to come and confess to one another. We should be loving and willing to receive correction as well and willing to give forgiveness. As Paul knows wholeheartedly that Philemon is going to grant to Onesimus. True forgiveness and not this, I forgive, but don't forget. You know, that's not, that's not forgiveness. Unfortunately, it's not forgiveness. If you forgive, then you forget. Because if the Almighty remembered every mistake that we made, oh, that's not good for me. <laughs> that's not good for me. But he doesn't. He forgave me. He forgave me. And he blotted out my sins and my sins are no more. That I am a new creation. All things have become new. Behold, old things have passed away. Thank you, Lord. We are a part of a body that has been filled with the love and the forgiveness of Christ. This body here and the many bodies that are across the world. When they say a body, that's every true believer of Christ. That's not that church. That's not that one building. That's not that Methodist, that non-denomination. Whatever the case is, if your heart is, is all belongs to the Lord, you are a part of the body and the body of Christ. That's why when you meet someone that you know that serves the Lord, that you too can call them brother. Not because you go to the same church, but because you know that their heart is given to the Lord and you've been united in this body, this awesome body of Christ. We're all brothers and sisters. And verse 16 reads, No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. All of us as brothers and sisters in this body are of Christ. It's important for, it's important to, uh, for one another to, to, uh, to work according to what the Lord has called us. We must put our love in one another and help one another. When we know that we come into this place and we gather and we come serving for the Almighty, if it's in the, the greeter, if it's the security, if it's the worship, if it's the children's ministry, we know that we're doing this all for the purpose and the glorifying of God. And we do it with our brothers and sisters here. You know, you, you can put your trust in a, in a brother and sister because when you know that that brother and sister's trust and heart and faith is in the Almighty, then the Almighty is directing them. And you don't have to put your trust in man. You put it in, in, in Christ. In verse, and the third part, and our third part of the study this morning will be looking at the righteous justification and obedience of the believer and the converted sinner. Picking it up in verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you, as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self. Besides, yes, brother, let me have joy from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart and the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Again, the trusting and faith that Paul has put in Philemon because he is a brother in Christ, he knew that forgiveness was going to be granted and that Onesimus was going to be received. Not as a sinner, not as a slave, but as a brother in the body of Christ. 
But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I love that Paul practices what he preaches. He is doing it now. and We were blessed with the letter of it. And Galatians 6, 2, Paul writes to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Again, only by love for one another can we accomplish this great law of Christ. And that law is the Mosaic law, but law is the loving law from, that stems from love. Instruction given to the family of believers, for believers. And verse 21, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul writes this letter and with complete faith in his fellow bondservant, Paul knows Philemon will do even more than what he has asked him to do. This is the faith that we must grow into because only faith in Christ will give us faith in our brothers and sisters. Again, we know that the body is, when the body is serving the Lord, we know that we can trust the, because the Lord is directing the body. The letter, again, from Paul to Philemon on Onesimus' behalf, a brother to a brother about a sinner, a slave, who has been given the gospel, who's had the encounter, who is now new, and he's now part of the body of Christ, that they are loving one another, that they are serving with one another, that they are encouraging one another, that they are showing and spreading the gospel and the light by what they do, not so much by what they say, but how they live and how they interact and how they forgive and how they love. It's power. Everything stems from love. Love that's been given from, from God the Father through the Son to us, His children. I'm, I'm going to close, but I'm going to close with this commentary that I found from Matthew Henry. It reads like this. When we speak of a nature of any sin or offense against God, the evil of it is not to be lessened, but in a penitent sinner, as God covers it, so must we. Such changed characters often become a blessing to all among whom they reside. Christianity does not do away our duties to others, but directs the right doing of them. True penitents will be open in owning their faults, as doubtless Onesimus had been to Paul upon his being awakened and brought to repentance, especially in the cases of injury done to others. The communion of saints does not destroy distinction of property. This passage is an instance of that being imputed to one, which is contracted by another, and of one becoming answerable for another. By voluntary engagement, that he might be freed from the punishment due to his crimes, according to the doctrine that Christ of his own will, bore the punishment of our sins, that we might receive the reward of his righteousness. Philemon was Paul's son in the faith, yet he entreated him as a brother. Onesimus was a poor slave, yet Paul besought for him as if seeking some great things. Christians should do what may give joy to the hearts of one another. From the world they expect trouble. They should find comfort and joy in one another. When any of our mercies are taken away, our trust and hope must be in God. We must diligently use the means. If no other should be at hand, 
if no other brother and sister should be at hand, bound in prayer. Yet though prayer prevails, it pre- yet though prayer prevails, it does not merit the things obtained. And if Christians do not meet on earth, still the grace of the Lord Jesus will be with their spirits as they will soon meet before the throne to join forever in the admiring the riches of the redeeming love. The example of Onesimus may encourage the vilest sinners to return to God, but is is shamefully prevented. If any are made bold thereby to persist in their evil courses, are not many taken away in their sins, while others become more hardened and resist not to repent. I tell you now, it's a great thing to receive the love and forgiveness of Christ. It's a great, great, life-changing thing to receive the grace and love of Jesus Christ. How do we get it? How do we receive it? How does it happen? It's a decision. It's a wholehearted decision to love the Almighty and accept the Lordship of Christ, to accept the love that He wants to give you. It's just one decision. And I encourage you, if you haven't made that decision, if you are not right with the Almighty, I encourage you to seek Him, accept Him, receive what it is He has for you. Receive what is free. Receive what He's given you with all His heart. I can guarantee that it will change. It will change your life. In a minute when we go here, when I go here into prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If, if you feel the Spirit working, if you feel the opportunity, if you feel that you need to not so much, if it's not even a, a giving of your life, but a, a re-giving of your life, or whatever the case may be, if you just need prayer, I'm going to give you the opportunity, and all you have to do is raise your hand. As the lights come down, I'm, I'll go into prayer, and it'll be between you and the Lord. Again, I encourage you to receive freely what the Lord has for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great sacrifice. Father, we thank you for bankrupting heaven, Father, on our behalf when we were undeserving, Lord. We thank you for all that you do. We thank you for the brothers and sisters that you have blessed us with here. And worldwide, Father, we thank you for the work that you're still doing, Father. For every time that our hearts and our souls are filled and that we can love and encourage and forgive one another, Father, that we represent you and we show you still today, Father, that you do exist, Father, and you exist in us and you exist, Father, and you're mighty, Lord. We love you and thank you for what we don't deserve, and yet you've given it to us anyways. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you do a work here today. If that's your will, Father, we trust in you. If anyone is here that does not have a relationship or wants to recommit their life, the opportunity is now. All you have to do is raise a hand. And I'll lead you in a prayer. A prayer of accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. A prayer that will 
encourage you and help change your life for the better. This great love that we speak about, I pray that you receive it. The decision is yours and it's free. If you would like it, you just raise your hand and we will pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for all that you do. We thank you for the for the walk that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the call that you've put upon our hearts, Father. We thank you for the molding and building and preparing for every everything that this life throws at us, Lord. And I pray for each and every heart that's in here now, Lord. A raising of hands or not, Lord. I pray that if they are seeking you, Father, and I pray that if their minds are talking to you, Father, and their hearts are open to you, Lord, I pray that you touch them, Lord. I pray that you give them what it is that you have in store for them and that they freely receive it. Because it's free, Father. And that's why you are our Lord. And that's why we love you and we serve you wholeheartedly, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this morning. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.